0: Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the one org. There are a lot of things in life that we often think we have a handle over. But I realize when we don't go to Jesus, that when it it becomes a fumble, you know, like in football, we are not allowed to have things smooth all the time. We have more trials than anything else. But at the end of my message today, we will see why what God does is important for us. My message today is called Uncontainable Yet Accessible. And the text is taken from 1 Kings 8, if you can go there with me, verses 26 and 27. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And it reads And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. So right here we see, uh, I don't know, for some reason my ears is hurting me <laughs> all of a sudden. But right here we see that what Solomon is saying to us is that he recognizes the God of Israel as the God. He recognizes him as God. And he asks a a question, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Heaven of heavens, heaven and the heavens of heavens Cannot contain you how much less the temple which I have built so he is saying heaven and the heaven of heavens can contain you how can this temple this earthly temple that I have built contain you? will God indeed dwell on the earth he has that question ringing in his mind now. The background of all of this, I want to go into some background before we move forward. Because we understand, you know, from the reading of the word, that David wanted to build a temple for God. Remember that? Am I too loud? No. David wanted to build this temple for God. What did God tell David? No. Pretty much. But he did explain why. And that's the beauty about God. In his word, you can always find why. And if you can't find why, maybe because you haven't searched enough, but you can ask God, why God, why? And as issues of life unfold, we see the why. Has that ever happened to you? You didn't go this way because God let you this way, and you're like, why this way? This way looks so fruitful, so much green on this side. But when you go this way, in god's providence then you realize man it's a good thing i didn't go that way it's a good thing i didn't go that way so don't be distressed so god said to david in isaiah 56 7 he said god wanted a man of peace to build a temple he said you are a man of war i do not want you to build my temple and I was wondering okay so what's the big deal he said you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed much blood we know David was one of the mighty warriors to begin with before he, he, he even became king he slew Goliath and that was a promise right there that you will do greater things so God says to him, no, you're a mighty warrior, you're shed blood. What is the connection, I thought to myself, between shedding blood and building a temple? What's the the point? I, I, I didn't get that. But since I had to prepare the message, I had to study it out. Okay? So, the history of where David was going to build this temple becomes important for us to understand why God did not want him to build a temple. So we got to do a little background search. As soon as David was established on his throne, he began to seek a more appropriate location for the capital of his realm. 20 miles from Hebron, A place was selected for the future metropolis of the kingdom of Israel. Before, and I'm just going to give you point form, before Joshua had led the armies of Israel across the Jordan, it was called Salem. If we know what Salem means, Salem means what? It has to do with peace. Never near this place, Abraham had proved his loyalty to God. Remember when God asked Abraham to take Isaac, your only son, and slaughter him. This was that same place. 800 years prior to David's coronation. Now, that's to tell you how long God has no ending. 800 years before the coronation of David, it had been the home of Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High. It held a central and elevated place in the country and was protected by an environment of hills. Everything about this place should be about peace. Looking at the place chosen, it was totally associated with that. Now, connect this now with why God tells David what he has to tell David. God said, let who build a temple for me? Who did God give to build the temple? Solomon. Do you know what the name Solomon means? Just take a wild guess. Huh? No. Peace. So God was saying, I do not want a man who has shed blood. I want a man who's a man of peace to build my temple. Why? So the why is, when people come into God's house, they are expected to make peace with God. That's the whole idea behind Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he came, he came to make reconciliation between mankind and the God they had rejected. So that reconciliation involves now me coming to God, confessing to God, humbling myself before God, and being at peace with God. Do you realize as a Christian, we have more peace than the world has? When people are fussing and arguing and fighting, we seem to be like, and we stand out because of that. Because we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? So God wanted a man of peace to build the temple. Now, what really interests me, two things really, this is the first one. When God told David, you are not the man I want to build the temple. What did David do? Can anyone suggest? Let's go to 1 Chronicles 17. First Chronicles 17, verses 26 and 27. seven. First Chronicles chapter 17, 26 and 27. It says in verse 26, And now, Lord, you are God and have promised this goodness to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. So what God did, he took it away from David. But what did David do? David is saying, I'll bless your name, I'll praise you. Because David understood something by God pulling the temple building away from him. Although That was, that was David's going to be David's biggest accomplishment. But God took it away from him and said, let your son, Solomon, build it. What did David do? David praised God. He praised God. He did not become discouraged. He recognized in God's word that what God was about to do was give his son, his posterity, the opportunity to build, which also meant that David would always have a man on the throne. So David recognized that. The lesson for us here is that many times God closes doors and he opens other doors and he closes more doors and he opens other doors and you're wondering, God, why are you closing these doors that I want to go through? And God is saying, because I have bigger plans. Now remember the title of the message, Uncontainable Yet Accessible. So David didn't fuss with God. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare all the material that I can prepare, humanly possible, for the building of the temple. That's another lesson for us. When God closes a door, continue to do all that you can do because somewhere, somehow, God is going to bring what you have done to prosper something or somebody. So don't despair. We have the, 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 the notion sometimes, well, if I can't go through that door, I'm not doing anything. God is saying, no. Where you are, do all that you can do. Who you are, be all that you can be, and I will bless. And I, I made mention of it when I said, you know, I'm thanking God for a promotion. You know, people think I'm the, like the humblest person. I, I don't think so. I think I still have a lot of attitude, but they, they say, oh, you're so humble. You're so this and you're so that. And I take that to mean that they see Christ in me because that's the whole point to see Christ in our lives. And then one day, somebody just come and say, you know, I'm going to recommend you for this position. I said, girl, whatever position I get, it's all in God's timing. And God just flew open a door, and I walked right through. So we have to decide when God closes things off from us, because the position I wanted was a teaching position. I didn't get that because I love to teach. That was closed off to me. And I was like, Praise you, Lord. You got me, whatever. Within a week, I was in the new position where God wanted me. So let us not despair when God closes a door. So David did all he could to help Solomon. Now David dies. Now, uncontainable means something that you can't quite capture and the problem with a lot of us is that we try to capture God we try to put God in a box we want God to look how we want him to look now remember with Solomon if you go back to Solomon's words He says in verse 26, now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven of heavens cannot contain you. And that word there, contain, means cool. It's spelled K-U-L in the Hebrew, and you could pronounce it C-O-O-L, cool, cool. God cannot be contained. So while Solomon is saying the heavens of the heavens can't contain you, not even this temple I'm building could contain you. Solomon does something really, really impressive. Look at verse 27. He says, yet. Look at verse 28 rather, I'm sorry. Verse 28. Yet. Regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. So while we are seeing Solomon making God look as big as he can look for all that he has done and all that he's about to do with this dedication of the temple, and he's saying, who can can really know you? Who, who, Who can really soak you in? Who can really understand you? And then right back at that, he says, yet. Meaning, I will come and bring my supplication. I will come and bring my request. You see, sometimes we don't get how great God is. I can testify to that. We try to put God in a shoebox or a barrel or in this church, but we really don't realize the magnitude of God. And the reason I say that is, as Christians, we often live below what God wants us to. Have you ever looked at the promises of God? Unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That means I really don't have to sin. What about blessings abundantly and beyond? what we, we would think, acts or desire. Have we experienced that yet? What about people who say, this one really ticks me. People say, oh, God has blessed me with a new car, with a new house. I love my new car and my new house. Five years down the road, they say, oh, I got to get a divorce. Don't you believe God for your marriage? If he can get you a car, Can't he save your marriage or your relationships, can't he? God can save us from anything. But the thing is, we have to see God for the big God that he is. He cannot be contained. Yet, we have access to him. Most people, most things that are uncontainable on this earth, we don't have access to. I don't have access to Bill Gates. I would like to have a conversation with him. I don't have access to the the big names in in America or over the world. I would like to have access to them. But God is so great that he says, I still want you to have access to me. And having access to God should be everything to us. Because we need him. We need him. We needed him yesterday, and today we need him more than we did yesterday. God is accessible to us. So as we move along in the story, uncontainable means you can't measure that thing. You usually can't comprehend all of it. You can't take all of it in, And you can't hold it in because God is not a vessel. He's not a vessel. We are vessels. But God is not a vessel that you could box him in. Now let's look at some verses if if we can. Isaiah 40, 25. If we can go there. Isaiah 40, 25. Let's see what the scriptures say about God. It says, to whom then will you like me? This is God talking about himself. To whom then will you like me that I would be his equal? Says the Holy One. God doesn't have an equal. As a matter of fact, when he has to swear, who does he swear by? Himself. (laughs) We are not called to swear, but if I were to swear, I couldn't swear by myself because I ain't got nothing. But God, when he has to swear, he swears by himself. Because he knows that he can deliver. Now, the, the other text is Isaiah 40, 20, just a few verses down. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not, does not become weary or tired? His understandable is unsearchable. So trying to understand God 100%, you know, there are people, last night I was doing a Bible study and the lady was telling me, she said, you know, my friend said that she can't become a Christian because um, the Bible doesn't talk about evolution. I'm like, well, yeah, because the Bible is just the opposite of evolution. The the, The Bible is about creation, not evolution. And she doesn't see dinosaurs in the Bible. I'm like, those are excuses for not becoming a Christian. Because God has given us enough knowledge about himself in the world around us and in, personal, in our personal lives to know that he exists. He says that. I've given you enough for you to know that I exist. You don't have to doubt that I exist. So for people who have excuses, it is because they just want to make an excuse. Right. So God is unsearchable. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? So what God has said, he will do. What he has promised, he will give. The challenge for us, though, is that we have to live up to what is required. Soak that in for a minute, because when I found that, I was like, hmm. What, what God wants to give us is available, but we now have to meet the requirements. There's some things that God really gives us free. mostly salvation, grace, right? But some of us, for instance, God could bless you with a house, right? But have we ever considered that God could bless more of us with more things if we met the requirements? If I had a down payment, for instance. And in doing that, what God does is train us for eternity. Every test and every trial is training for eternity. It's character building for eternity. And that's the whole point so when God comes to us and he says, "I want you God has been you know I don't want to say nagging but telling me for a long time to do a particular thing and I've been like, oh God that's just really out there but God continues to tell it to me which means I have met the requirement but A lot of us want God to almost do everything for us. What God is responsible for is the divine, and we are responsible for the human part. So if you don't want to do the human part, but you want God to put his divine, that can't happen. So we have to meet the conditions. So when you don't see something manifesting itself in your life, you have to ask God, God, am I not meeting the conditions to have this? Have I not met which condition have I not met to have what we're asking for? And God wants us to ask. We don't ask enough. We don't ask big enough. Because when we do ask, we ask, oh, God, can you help me with da, da, da. Remember, people, God is a king. He wants to be treated like a king. I don't know if you ever heard this story, there was a king... And every year he would call his people to him and say, what, what what do you want? What I can do for you? Some people, oh, I want I want clothes for my children. Some people said, I I I, I want a, a, a new, you know, a, a new cut house. Some people say they want different things, but all of them were small things. And the, the king was like, Sure, sure, yeah. One day, one bold man from the from, from the, the realm said, I want a big palace to be able to host my entire family because I have a big family. And I want everybody to be able to come and sit at one table. I want them to be able to spend a week because they're coming from far. And he went on and on and on until the guards of the king got upset with him and said, no, you can't get all of that. And the king said, no, I will give him all of it. Why? Because for the first time being king, I feel like a king. Are we asking God for the things that are outrageous? We don't ask enough. We don't ask big enough. Of course, I put all of that in context by saying, you have to meet the requirements. So ask for big things. Dare to, to, to dream on God's, God's dime, if you want to call it. Because God wants us to have... Why did God bless Israel so much? What was the point? He said, I would feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Why do you think? Because God wanted them to be a spectacle to the rest of the nations. He wanted them to be a spectacle. When people saw Israel... Um, in Isaiah, it says, they were supposed to be the most educated. They were supposed to be the wealthiest. They were supposed to be the most religious. In every sphere of their life, they were to supersede, not just exceed, but supersede other nations. Of course, we know Israel failed. But the, the challenge for us as spiritual Israel remains. God wants us to be a spectacle to the rest of the world so that they will come to us and say, what's happening with you? I see you prospering. I see you becoming so spiritual. I, I see a difference in you. I don't want to say the trick is, but the idea is that we rely on God, this uncontainable God, that he doesn't want us to put him in a box. He wants to, your your prayer ministry, he wants to say, your woman's ministry, he wants everything to prosper so that he can get the glory. Let us not walk behind. Let us go ahead So let us continue with the story. I'm almost done. So why then do we try to contain God? Yeah, we could say, yeah, I I go to God morning, noon, and night in prayer. I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that. But we still have this cap on God. Why? We should learn from Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man. He was one of the richest men. He had a, he, he built a temple for God. I was reading it in um from chapter seven. Everything was overlaid with gold, and what wasn't overlaid with gold was overlaid with silver It's just to show you the prosperity what God was willing to do with Solomon. Are we willing today for God to do that for us or are we settling for <sighs> I'll just take what comes my way. So Solomon understood this concept. Now he says, yet. That word yet, he is saying to God, he said, yeah, I know you're uncontainable. I I know that the heavens of heavens of heavens can't contain you. I know this temple can't contain you. Yet, he is saying, I know who you are. I know who you are, Lord. I get your greatness. You are to be feared. You are great. You are immortal. Mortals shouldn't be able to even approach you. Yet I will come as your servant and pray and make supplication. Are we willing to do that? God, I get you. I get who you are. I get your greatness. Yet I'm coming. Because God said, come boldly before the throne of grace. He didn't say, come sheepishly. Come only for five minutes. He says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Yet I will come as your servant and pray and make supplication. So Solomon recognizes four things. He recognizes the grandeur of God. Even Moses couldn't see God face to face. He had to see his backward parts. He realizes who he is in light of who God is. He is a lowly servant. He can't come and say, Oh, I'm king of Israel. Remember that. No. He sees and understands the grandeur of God, but then he sees his own lowly state. And that's how it's supposed to be. When we come to God, what we must see is the grandeur of God and our nothingness. And there's beauty that lies in that. When we see our nothingness, we depend on God more. Because we recognize without him, we have nothing. The other thing, so that's two. The other thing Solomon recognizes, the, the discrepancy between who God is and who he is. There's a a gulf between who God is and who we are. You have to recognize that. And the fourth thing Solomon um, recognizes, although there is a discrepancy between who God is and who he is, God still listens and answers prayer. So while the gulf is set between us and God, God says, come, 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 make your request, bring your supplication, bring your woes, bring everything that you have. The challenge we meet sometimes is that we bring everything we have and then when we say amen, we pick up everything we had bought and we take it back. You got to leave it with God, leave it, leave it and go in peace because that's what the house of God does. Leave it with God and go in peace. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because when you worry about it, what what are you telling God? I don't trust you. I don't trust you to help my, my situation. I don't trust you for healing. I don't trust you to deliver. That's what we're saying. Now, what are the lessons can be gained from this Uncontainable God, yet accessible God. When we contain God or box him up, God is not seen in his true light. We can't recognize him in his true light because we've placed him on a sheet of paper like this for him to operate in our lives. We can't do that. That's defeating the whole Christian experience. When we put God, when we can't see God in his true light, we put limits on what he's able to do. God is limitless. We put him on a sheet of paper, we cover him up and say, God, operate in that. God can't do for you what he wants to do. He can't. The other lesson, remember... The bigger that I think, now you got to take this personally. The bigger that I think God is, guess what? He's bigger than that. The other lesson is as big as He is, I can come. As desperate as I am, I can come. As unholy as I am, I can come. As warped in my thinking, like I am sometimes, I can still come. God is not going to deny anybody who comes to him. He said, I will I will in no wise cast them off who come to me. He won't cast us off. See, men may cast us off, right? Oh, you're not good enough for this position. You're not light enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. But God says, no. Anyhow you present yourself to me, I got you you're tall you're short you're fat you're well nobody's ugly but you're not that pretty (laughs) whatever God says come come and we got to remember that and the last lesson is that God wants a relationship with us that's why he's accessible He wants a relationship with us. There is nobody who will make it to heaven that does not have a relationship with God. Nobody. You have to have a relationship with God. And in order to have that relationship, we must recognize the reconciliation that God places between Jesus and us and himself to give us peace so that we feel happy in the relationship that we have with God. The worst thing I think on earth is to be in a relationship that you're unhappy. The best thing on earth is to be in relationships where you're happy, where you can be who you're called to be, where God can work in and through you. All of us have a purpose in this life, to manifest God in some way or the other. People Ellen can reach, she has a powerful ministry Talking to people on, on, on online. I don't have that because I'm like scared of people. I, I'm scared of going online. Sometimes the only thing I go online for is to see what my son said and then I I, I inbox him and tell him something about the, the post. I'm not big on social media. I have to use it, but I'm not big on it. But I'm more a one-on-one person. You know, somebody says something about debt and they tell me uh that they, I work at a an assisted living. And they tell me, um, what, um, what did the lady say? Oh, she said, oh, well, you know, my father, he's in a better place now. And the best I could say is, hmm. And then somebody else hears me say, hmm. And they come back to me and they say, what did, why didn't you answer her? I said, because that's not true. And then I get a Bible study because now they want to know what's true. Right? So I'm good like that. But all of us has a sphere of influence that God wants us to to be able to capture. But it's only because we recognize him as being accessible. Now, what did Solomon want all of this for? Why, Why did he pray all this prayer and his supplication? Well, Solomon wasn't interested so much in himself because... He already had wisdom, he had riches, he had all these things. So, Solomon now, consider what he tells God. It is, we're not going to go through all of it, I'm just going to point form it. But from verses 33 to verses 31 to verses 46 in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon outlines why this temple is built and what he wants God to do. He says, when anyone sins against his neighbor, you should be able to look at the temple and ask forgiveness. And everything that's, it it was amazing when I saw this yesterday, everything that Solomon asked for, you can relate it to the spiritual realm of which we are a part. Things are physical, but there's a spiritual connotation behind it. He says, when anyone sins against his neighbor, in the commandments, are we not told we shouldn't sin against our neighbor? It says, "Defend, defeated by the enemy. Don't we have a real enemy of souls? So when we are confronted daily with the enemy, we look to the temple. But we don't look to any earthly temple because this can't help us. We have to look to the heavenly temple where Jesus ministers as our great high priest. To ask him for help with the enemy. It says when heaven is shut up and there is no rain. That's the lack of the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit? You claim the promises. One, one, one thing about God's word, it has so many promises for every situation. So you claim the promise is of the, what, he asks, what he says about the Holy Spirit. When there's famine in the land, meaning there's a lack of the word of God in your life, we need to go back to the word. We need to go to the one who is the word. So, so this is what Solomon was outlining for God. The foreigner who comes and prays God, hear him too. We should be praying for those people who are not like us. Because God is, in the last days, God is going to bring them. we got to be ready. Sometimes we see people walking and talking and doing their stuff, and they say, oh, they're not like me. We don't verbalize it. But we tend to think we may be better than some people, and we always try to compare ourselves to other people who we know, uh, they're less than us, quote, unquote. So he says, when the foreigner comes, hear him too. When your people sin against you, hear them, Lord. We turn to the temple, not the earthly temple. We turn to the heavenly temple. And as I wrap up, what does it look like when we contain, try to contain God? We don't allow him to work the way that he should. What about Eve? Not trusting in God's word. God's word says, don't eat of the apple. That's what containing God says. Ah, God probably didn't really mean that. Right? What about Abraham lying to Pharaoh about Sarah being his wife? And he says, she's my sister. Trying to contain God, meaning that I don't trust God to help me out in this. What about Rachel and Jacob taking the birthright from Esau? They had another plan, right? They had their own plan. Don't you think God had a way of giving Jacob the birthright? He had another way. We just don't know it. Let's all get to heaven so we'll get the, the answer. Right? What about Abraham having a child by the bond woman, Hagar, that's trying to contain God. Your own works you want to do to keep God kind of capped. Brother, are you telling me I should finish now? <laughs> right? Now, I want to bring it down to the last days. In these last days, God is looking for people who will not contain him, but allow him to go and do what he wants us to go and do because we have to have his power. Because the work that needs to be done, guess what? Not in the world really, you know. It will get there, but the work that needs to be done in each one of us will be a work where God has to have free reign. We cannot try to keep God back. We can't try to hold him back. God has to have free reign in our lives so that, guess what, will be the end result. The the, the accessibility that we have to God is not only for the earth to, to help save us and to save those people out there, but guess what? It's to get us into the kingdom of God. So although God is uncontainable, although he's unsearching, Although he's divine, we who are the opposite have full access to this God. And he says to us, give me room to work in your life. And then you'll see marvelous things. Give me room to work in your life. Don't fence me in. Don't tie me up. Don't box me in. Don't wrap me up. Give me room to work in your life, and you will see marvelous things. Amen. Please look us up online at the 1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.